Everybody's getting settled in with coffee. Man, it's good to get settled in with coffee, right? Oh, we're an interactive church. So it's okay to say things like, yeah, or you're crazy, whatever. <laughs> Thank you. Wendy says I look good in yellow. I don't know. It all, all that matters is that she thinks so, right? Um, there is, so I'm, I'm trying to get, sometimes I just, um, this has nothing to do with the message, and I'll say this quickly, and then we'll move on, and it's probably good that, oh, Wendy's back in the room. <sighs> I mean, I'm glad she's in the room, but um, she'll be like rolling her eyes going, Paul, just get to the Bible. Um, but sometimes, do you ever just reach in your drawer and just pull out what's on top to wear? Yeah, I feel like God's in that. But I've tried to get more strategic, right? So, yeah. So last week, I, um, I wore a shirt that said, risk it for the biscuit, right? Because we were talking about risk and reward and that God, we have to, there's a cost to Pentecost. So today I wore a shirt that says, saturate and is really bright yellow because I want your attention, right? God wants our attention. So anyway, hey, Mike. My, he was sharing this with me uh, during the intermission, and it's great. And I was like, hey, you want to share it? And he was like, I mean, you know, Mike, he's like, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of nervous. And, and he, was like, he was like, yeah, give me the mic. <laughs> so, Mike, here's the mic. Thanks. Hey, y'all, I, I, I love to pray. I love to get in tune with the Lord. I love when the Holy Spirit presence just comes and just fills me up. And, and it just gets exciting. And I'm, and I'm over here, and, and a lot of times I get little visions and little different things. And so I'm over here praying, and I'm just worshiping, and, and, and the Lord shows me a skeleton key. I'm in a dark room. And so I'm, I'm kind of one of those things, I, I want to see what's on the other side of this, this door that's in front of me. So I take the key, and I unlock it, and open up, and it's just this beautiful, bright meadow, green pasture, sunlight, just birds singing and all this stuff. And, and the Lord says, that, that's what I want to do. I, I've got keys, and I'll hand them out. And, and, and anybody that's willing to take it, they can open that door, and I'll take them to the place that I want them to be. And I'm like, that's so cool. And then, then I get this heart. It shows me a heart. It's a real heart. And he says, everybody has a door on their heart. And I've got a key. And if you just hand me the key, I'll unlock the door of your heart of what I've created you to be. Man, I'm telling you, God's going to do something today. If we are willing to take the keys, if we'll just be willing to set ourselves apart and just say, okay, um, here I am. You know, we just open up. We just open up and allow him to transform us because he, he knows he knows everything about us. He, he's creator God. He's creator God. It's so awesome. He knew us before we were even formed in our mom's wombs. That speaks to me like, wow. Wow. Before I was even formed, you knew me? Cool. He said, yeah, I got a plan for you. I got purpose for you. I got everything that you could ever dream of for you. So cool. All right. So cool. It's good.
Now, the reason why I wanted him to share that is because what he didn't know. Don't you love how the Holy Spirit works? What he didn't know is that, um, okay, I'm, this is a horrible introduction. I'm sorry for, you know, y'all like, you should be better. You're a preacher. <laughs> Whatever. Um, it's hard to stand here and, like, try to say what God's saying. Like, that's a deal. Um, and so let me just try to get to where I'm going. So we're doing a series called From Pierce to Power, right? And um, we've talked about, like, from the resurrection of Jesus to Pentecost, and that they were, the, the followers of Jesus were pierced. They, they had pain when all that was going down, right? They stayed locked away for a, even a week after they'd seen the resurrected Jesus. They were pierced. But at Pentecost, if you're not familiar with church stuff, it's a, it's a holiday in the church. Um, and at the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, God poured out the Holy Spirit from being around people to being in people right and so we talked about like they were leaky they were pierced and so they had god took time jesus stayed on earth he to heal them so that when the spirit was poured out they wouldn't lose it leak it everywhere right does that make sense but i told you that that was the pentecost sunday was last sunday first sunday in june but we're going to continue this series through june and here's why because we're pierced we move from pierced to power but when we get the power Sometimes we're still pierced. Like, there's still things that happened in the early church that caused them to feel like, what's going on, right? So, in Acts chapter 2, when the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out, and Peter, who, if you remember, Peter's the guy that denied Jesus three times, right? He was the big, strong guy. He was always first, and he was always making messes, and I'll never leave you, Jesus. And then, like, he was around, like, people and got scared and said I don't even know who that guy is three times that same Peter filled with the power of the Holy Spirit stood up and started to preach to the people who killed Jesus that's if you don't if you're wondering like what's the difference between before the Holy Spirit after Holy Spirit there it is right scared of literally a woman around a fire so that he denies Jesus because he doesn't want to die and then filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, preaching to the people who had Jesus killed, willing to die. And it says this at, at the, as he was preaching, here's the verse, now full circle back to what you just shared. It took me forever, but I got there. Now when they, those are the people, the crowd that was listening to Peter preach, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what are we to do? And this morning, God highlighted that verse to me, and this is what he told me to give you permission to do. And look, if you don't do what I'm saying, it's okay. Take a deep breath. We're not trying to make you act a certain way. I just think sometimes as leaders, we need to give permission, and then you do what you feel like God's saying to do. But I felt like God said this morning, before you ever said anything about keys, that as I'm preaching, some in this room will be pierced in their heart. It doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. It just means you'll be pierced. Have you ever been in that place? I've been in services where something that somebody said cut to the core of who I was, and then like 30 minutes later, or in my case, an hour later, or whenever they were done, I didn't feel the same thing that I felt in that moment. 
you don't have to wait till I'm done talking to talk to God. So if we're, if I'm preaching and we're teaching and, and today's just going to kind of be a like, let's figure it out as we go along Sunday because God really shifted some stuff for me. I'll explain that in a minute. As, as I'm talking, if you feel like the Lord is piercing your heart about something, then I'm giving you permission to just get up from your seat and just come find a place at the altar and just hang out with Jesus. You don't have to wait till I'm done, right? Everybody's like, maybe if we do that early, he'll stop talking. <laughs> Not likely, right? But you can give it a shot, okay? I'm just saying, you, you, I just give you permission to deal, let the Lord deal with you. I mean, if I get pierced, I'll probably just hand the mic to Wendy and I'll go right here too, right? I think we just need to learn how to be responsive to what the Lord's saying. Okay, now, um, some of you have heard this story before, but um, I'm going to tell it again. I think it's, it's a great story to share just because it's um, going to help us kind of see where we're going today. Um, how many of you hit the snooze button a lot? Oh, wait, let me rephrase. How many of you are married to somebody who hits the snooze button a lot? <laughs> like When I was growing up, I had an alarm clock, and it would the snooze was every nine minutes. So, like, if you, I would always set my, I had this, for one summer, I had to get up super, super early. So 5.42 is when I set my alarm clock because I knew I could hit it twice and get up by 6. If you're a snoozer, how many of you know that didn't always work out quite like that was planned? So sometimes it was 6.09 or whatever it ended up being. But this alarm clock, what I remember about it is it, was, it had a horrible alarm. Like this was, I'm so old, this was back before you could like set it to the radio or a bird going tweet, 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 tweet. This thing just went, ah, that was it. 542. And I lived, um, in, I lived with my parents, and so I was like in a room halfway down the hall. So it was, I was probably in a place where my alarm clock could potentially wake up a lot of people. So, I learned how to hear that alarm, and like the minute I heard it, it was like I could hit it. Like I, I, I learned how to do that. I could kill that thing, and I was just, you know, you're not really sleeping for nine more minutes. You're spending nine minutes, kind of like, is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Hit it again. Okay, let's go back to sleep. Is it time? Is it time? So one morning, um, oh my gosh, I heard that alarm go off. And when I went to raise my hand to, and it, it was, I laid in the bed, and it was on a dresser that was up this high. And I heard the alarm. And I went to hit it, and my arm was asleep. Does your arm ever go to sleep? What do you do when your arm goes to sleep? Who in this room plays with your arm when it goes to sleep? Anybody? I'm the only one? Because I'm like, I pick it up and drop it on my chest. I, I just do stuff with my arm all the time. And, and so I couldn't move it. And it's, ah, you know, it's going on. And I'm like, I'm going to wake up the whole house and all of our neighbors and everybody. And I can't move my arm. So I thought, no big deal. I'll use my other arm, which was also asleep. <laughs> True story. I'm laying in a bed. Two arms are asleep, which is sad because I couldn't even play with my arm being asleep because my other arm was asleep, right? And, I'm, and it's going off. And I'm like, I don't know. I can't. My head, I, I didn't know what to do. All I could think to do was I like threw my arm off the bed, and I worked it like this, and threw it up there and tried to hit the. Got it. 
Oh, I still got six more minutes to sleep, right? You know? In Joel, Joel chapter 2, first verse, it says, Sound an alarm. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. And the reason I thought about, I wasn't going to even preach about Joel, but I'm in Acts, you know, Acts chapter 2, and I'm, I'm studying what Peter preached. And, and the first, one of the first things he says is that these men are not drunk. You know, the Holy Spirit had been poured out. People were speaking in tongues. If that makes you feel weird, just kind of shake it off. Everybody was hearing the gospel in their own language. It was a deal. Now, I recognize that in our culture, we're used to going to church and really nothing happening. Right? You come to church, the band feels pressure to make sure we hit all the notes and sing all the stuff. And I feel pressure to make sure that I entertain you and, like, I give you points that are tweetable. But we're, we're kind of used to going to church and nothing happening. But on this day... When the Holy Spirit was poured out, <laughs> something happened, yes? And so, like, all these people start speaking in tongues. And everybody that had gathered in Jerusalem, they all heard the gospel in their own language. I told you last week, my, one of my sons, he lives in New York, and there's 600 languages spoken in the metropolitan region of New York City. If Pentecost happened there, like it happened in Jerusalem, 600 people groups would hear the gospel in their own language from white people like me. They're like, that dude's Southern. How's he even speaking this language? It's the Holy Spirit speaking through people so people would hear the gospel. That's what was happening in Acts chapter 2. And so people had a response to that, right? Some of them were like, whoa. And some of them were like, it's kind of early to be drinking, isn't it? They called him drunk. And so Peter stands up in Acts chapter 2, and this is what he says. These people are not drunk, as you assume, since it's only the third hour of the day. <laughs> We're not going to preach on that, right? But I think there's a clue about when to not start drinking. <laughs> Just saying. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And that's what got me back into Joel, right? If you have an, a King James Version or maybe a New King James Version, your verse there says, but this is that. This is that. Peter stood up and he looked at a crowd that thought he was crazy and thought they were all drunk. And he said, we're not drunk. This is that. And when somebody in the Bible says, this is that, we need to go look at that. Right? So we need to go see what he, what's he talking about. What was it in Acts chapter 2 that would have caused everybody to start thinking about Joel chapter 2? Because he was preaching, and my original intention today, by the way, was just to, to teach on the message that Peter preached. That he was preaching to Jews. He called them brothers. He's preaching to people who would have known the, the, the Old Testament as we know it today. And so when he said, this is that, and he started quoting from Joel, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will have dreams. When he said that, the people he was talking to, like, I'm a preacher in a culture that's kind of biblically illiterate. I don't mean that as a slam. It's just true. Most people don't know the Bible. 
But when Peter was preaching, and he was quoting Joel, and he quoted a few verses from Joel chapter 2, actually towards the end of Joel chapter 2, the people he was talking to, they were already Rolodexing in their mind the whole chapter 2 of Joel. And probably chapter 1 and even chapter 3. They didn't have chapters, but they just, the whole scroll, they were like, oh, I know all that stuff. And I know where what you're quoting comes in Joel. So, is that kind of confusing, but we're good? So I want you to go to Joel. If you got a, a physical Bible, turn to Joel. If you got a digital Bible, find Joel. In Joel chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read from the New American Standard. It says, blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Now, I don't have time today to go into all of the book of Joel. Okay? It's only three chapters long. And I spent so much time this week. When God took me back to Joel, I mean, I'm studying. I'm reading. I, we, we could just read the three chapters of Joel. And if you're like me, we would just be on our faces. It's a, it's a horrifying book. But I'm just going to try to summarize it today, if I can. So, Joel chapter 1, he talks about these locusts, an army of locusts. And what I learned this week is, like, he was legitimately talking about an army of locusts. There was a plague of locusts that had come through, and that plague of locusts destroyed everything. Joel even uses language like this. He would say, so... Ahead of the army of locusts, everything looks great. And behind the army of locusts, everything is devastated. So as they move, they're bringing devastation. So chapter 1. Here's sum up chapter 1. There had been destruction. You don't have to raise your hand because it would be all of us. But do we live in a time when there's been destruction? Holy cow, y'all. I mentioned this last week. I mean, COVID, the last two years, two and a half, I mean, how long has it been now? Don't we all lose track? It's been brutal. And I told you, I could someday sit in the corner and just rock back and forth. But I bet there's others in the room that could do the same. There is destruction, y'all. And I'm not making light. Every time I fill up my car, there's destruction, right? Like, Gas prices are crazy. Like we are seeing, we're seeing our version of Joel chapter 1. Am I the, I can't be the only person that sometimes like just, I shake my head and go, is this real? Like, are, is this real life right now? I mean, we're all figuring it out and we're moving forward. But man, like the destruction that we have seen. And, and it's not just about economics, Right? The social fabric is destroyed. Like, people can't even, we, I had this conversation this week with somebody. Like, you can't even say out loud, I don't agree with you, without somebody going, well, I'm not, I, we can't be friends anymore. Like, it's gotten to that point, right? Like, there is destruction. There has been destruction. Chapter 2. Chapter 2, we just read the first verse. He says, blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. So the question is, why is he sounding an alarm? And when you read the rest of chapter 2, here's what you'll find. He said in chapter 1 that there has been destruction, but he says in chapter 2 that there will be more destruction. I mean, could you imagine how many people would leave our church? <laughs> Maybe if all we ever could say was, hey, you think it's bad now. 
Just wait. But that's what Joel was saying. You, you, you think the locusts did something? Um, there's an army coming. And now, depending on who you read, commentators will say that he's saying, like, the army is really just locusts. But here's what, what I believe and what I've, what I've studied and seen is that the army in Joel chapter 2 came from the north. And that the, the swarms of locusts that would usually come up and attack Jerusalem would come from the south. So I think what the, what the author is saying is, like, God used those locusts to try to get your attention. And he didn't get your attention. So he's going to use another army. And they're going to come from the north. And, and it's going to cause even greater destruction. Now, people don't know what to do with Joel. So much so that I, I turned to Wendy this week. And I said, Wendy, did you ever used to sing a song called Blow a Trumpet in Zion? And she's sweet Baptist girl was like, huh? Well, I'm Pentecostal, right? So I remember they rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Everybody's doing it like, blow the trumpet in Zion. I remember those songs. Anybody else sing that or did I make it up? Okay. Y'all went to the crazy church too. I'm studying Joel chapter 2, and I'm like, why were we singing that song? This is not a good chapter. Like, this is a chapter about the army that we're singing about is going to come destroy things, like us. We sang that song like we were the army of the Lord, but that's not the army he's sending here. I mean, at one point it even says, like, they will sneak into your houses. I thought about the whole, like, hide your wife, hide your kids. You know, like, they will get in your house, y'all. The point is, we don't know what to do with these things. The church messes this stuff up all the time. Because we want to win, right? God was going to send an army, literally use an army of people who were not following him. He was going to send those people to bring more destruction on his people. That should mess with us a little bit, right? It's like, that's not the God I've heard about. Why would God do that? I thought he was supposed to be nice. Well, he's kind. So there has been destruction, and there will be destruction. And then I want you in your Bibles to go to verse 12. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. That's the pivotal moment in the book. When Joel says, hey, y'all, there's been destruction because we haven't paid attention to what God's saying. And, and if... He's going to sound an alarm, and Joel's like, I'm the alarm, right? Hello? Wake up. Wake up, because, like, the locust came, and that was terrible. And if we don't wake up, an army's coming. Wendy and I have been, the times we go through hard times, we say this all the time, oh, God, please make us fast learners. 
right? We don't want to learn this lesson again. Can we please learn it the first time, right? And so Joel's like, look, there was already a lesson with locusts, and you didn't listen. So listen now, because if you listen now, maybe, maybe we don't have to have an army come. And here's what he says, even now. The Lord says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Tear your heart and not merely your garments. Translation, don't just appear to change. Actually change. We are a church, not we are a church, but the church in America. We are all about appearance. And he's saying, don't just appear to change, actually change. I don't want you to rip your shirt. I thought about ripping my shirt, but y'all would throw up and run out. <laughs> he's like, I don't want that. I don't want to show. I want your heart. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. And relenting of catastrophe. Who knows? He might turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. Okay. Let me just make a couple of statements. Their hope was grounded in the character of God. Has God ever done something that you didn't understand? Would you just raise your hand so we can all be in company together, right? All of us would say, yes, God does stuff that some of you are like, he gave you the mic. I don't understand that, right? <laughs> he does stuff we don't understand. Like he, he doesn't heal or he doesn't act or he doesn't seem to come through or at least not on our timetable. He, he does things. His actions are hard to understand. I want you to see here that his character never changes. I don't know why God does the things he does or doesn't do the things he doesn't do. But I know that he is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger, abounding in mercy, relenting of catastrophe. The translation here would be this. Listen, y'all, we know that God is slow to anger. And so if he's going to have to use an army to bring destruction to get our attention, how badly have we messed up? Because that's not like our God. Our God is always looking to relent. He's always looking to withhold and not pour out the, the wrath that a holy God has to pour out on sin. He's always looking to hold that back. And by his grace, he holds it back. That's the God that we have. He's kind and he's compassionate and he's slow to anger. And who knows, I love this, he might turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. Now, again, we're flipping back and forth. Back to Acts chapter 2. When Peter gets up and says, these people are not drunk, but this is that. This is that. And he starts quoting from Joel. That in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. When they heard that and they started going back through Joel in their mind, I remember when Joel prophesied that. I remember that. They would have known, verse 14, who knows? He might turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. 
You know what the blessing was? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was the blessing that a God who relents left behind. Now follow this progression. Joel chapter 1, there has been destruction. Joel chapter 2, there will be destruction unless there is repentance. And if there's repentance, there will be restoration. He says in Joel chapter 2 that he would even repay what the locusts have destroyed. Translation. You spend your whole life not following God. You know you should be. And you're wasting your money on all kinds of stuff. Literally throwing your money away. Every month, you don't even make it to the end of the month. And you got no money. Now, this is not a prosperity teaching. This is just life. So if there's 30 days in the month, you ran out of money on the 25th, right? Every single time. You get raises at work. Thank you, Jesus, I got a raise. And you still, on the 25th of the month, no more money. No matter what you do, you can't get ahead. You feel like the person at the, at the, at the beach who gets knocked down by a wave. Have you seen these people? And they get up and they're trying to fix their hair. And they finally stand up and fix their hair and turn around and smack in the face again with another wave, right? These are the people that you video. I've seen some of y'all in those videos. Like just wave after wave after wave. Does anybody in this room feel like that right now? Like you cannot get ahead no matter how hard you try. Destruction is the theme of your life. And it's because you have never said to God, here is my heart. I'll give you my habits. I'll even give you an hour on Sunday. I'll bargain with you, and I'll try to be the best person I can be, and hopefully I can get to heaven because you seem like a nice guy. But you've never given him your heart. You appear to change, but you don't actually change, right? I'm a nice person. I'm not living out the truth that God's shown me. And, and until we rend our heart, we give it back to God. When we actually say, I repent, he promises that he will restore what the locust has eaten. Which means you don't get the years back, right? Like, let's just say I'm, you're 60, 65 years old when you come to know Jesus. You're not going to get 65 more years to live, probably. And if you do, I want to know you. But he promises, I can do more in the time you give me than you ever could have done with the time you kept from me. I will restore to you what the locusts have eaten. It's true in relationships. He can restore in our relationships what the devil has destroyed. He can restore to us what the devil has destroyed. But only when we repent. Return to me with all your heart. Return to me and who knows, I might turn to you. So, when we repent, God relents. And we could also flip it around. I hope this is making sense. When God relents, we need to repent. 
when should we repent? Even now. 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 This isn't go home and think about whether or not we should not be in the same house together anymore. Or let's, let's get married. Or should, I'm going to think about whether I should do something about that message that I heard this morning at church. Because you and I aren't guaranteed that. I'm not trying to be a scary person. I'm just telling you the truth. We're not guaranteed that. If we didn't learn anything else in the last couple of years, that's what we should have learned. Like you can literally have a conversation with somebody and a month later you're not talking to them anymore. You're not guaranteed to make it to tonight. Somebody has to say this. Sound an alarm. And because you're still, and I'm still by the grace of God breathing, you are still breathing, right? Because we're still breathing, you know what that means? That a gracious God who is slow to anger has given you and I another moment to repent. Peter said in 2 Peter that he is not slow about his promise. But he is patient, allowing people time because he would not want anyone to not come to repentance. And it's time to respond, y'all. It's time for us to repent. So when he relents, and how, what does that look like? It looks like him not sending an army. It looks like priests, and I take this a few verses down in Joel chapter 2. He says this, Let the priests, the Lord's ministers, weep between the porch and the altar. <laughs> Look, I know y'all are tired of me crying. <laughs> I got the weeping thing down, right? Let the priest weep between the porch and the altar. Let the people, let the, the priest say, Spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance a disgrace. I feel that. And it's not because I'm better than you. It's just I'm in that place where, like, I'm like, God, please, please spare your people. Give them another day to come to their senses so that they would repent. Can I ask you to do me a favor? I'm going to ask you at some point this week, you need to go share this message on social media. And the reason why is because a lot of the people that need to hear this will not be here today. There's people that you know that have never been to church. They need to hear this. They need to hear that a gracious God has given them another moment to repent. So you follow this progression, right? The promise that Joel gave at the end that the Lord would pour out his spirit came at the end of Joel chapter 2. It came after... They had repented. It will come, in verse 26, it will come about after this. After there has been repentance, after the priests have stood between the porch and the altar and asked God to spare their, his people, after the people have come and repented, after all of that, after God has restored the relationship, after he has repaid what the locusts have taken, after all of that hard work was done, it says, and then after this, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. That's why the Holy Spirit, 
I mean, if you're, this is when you want to stand up and go like, I, all of us are Pentecostal because all of us have the Holy Spirit. The fact that we have the Holy Spirit, do you know what that is? It's a sign to humanity that there's still time to repent. It's a sign that, that, that when we repented, God in his mercy actually has been, appeased is not the right word, but he has relented. And how did they know that on the day of Pentecost? It's not a trick question. When Peter got up and preached, he preached about how they had killed Jesus and how Jesus had been resurrected. Translation, there was destruction, y'all. There's going to be more destruction. And if Jesus hadn't been the person who came in the fulfillment of all the prophecies and been a perfect man and God and given himself on the cross and sacrificed himself for you and for me for our sins, if he hadn't come and done that, we would still be under the wrath of God. But because he did that, guess what? This is that. This is that that was talked about. He is the priest that stood between the porch and the altar and said, God, Father God, no, I will be the one. I will be the one in the middle. You can pour your wrath out on me. I will be the one that pays the price. And because he did that, the Holy Spirit was poured out. The prophecy of Joel was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 because Jesus was the one who fulfilled the call to stand in the gap. The problem is that Jesus isn't here anymore. Right? The church is. We're the ones that he said, I'm going to give you a gift. If I leave, it's good for you because I'm going to pour out my spirit. Well, that was just a Pentecost thing. No, Peter said at the end of Acts chapter 2, this is for all who will call on the name of the Lord. For all who are far off. That's me, that's you. God wants to pour the spirit on us and in us so that through us, our lives would be a witness to the world. That there is time, if you're breathing, there's a good God. If you're breathing, there's a faithful God. One is slow to anger. My standing here is evidence that he is slow to anger because he could have taken me out a long time ago. But instead, he's forgiven me and he can forgive you. And we have to get to the place where we're not afraid to simply look at a culture and say, now is the time to repent. And here's what culture will say. Lead the way. I should give you the mic now. Because I just want to get on my face, y'all. Because I'm tired of trying to convince God's children to fulfill God's word. When do we say to the culture, Hey, you'll get right with God because I'm going to show you what that looks like. I'm going to get right with God. I don't have to do that anymore, brother. I'm a Christian. Let's actually change, not appear to change. While there's time, let's repent. As he relents, let's repent. And here's the last thing, and then we'll stop. Do you want to come play some stopping music? <laughs> Thanks. Are you good? You're not throwing anything at me, so I think we're good. Let's just go one little, one little level. 
Okay, just one more level. From Pierce to Power. What God's looking for today in church is he's looking not just for people who will repent of their sin, but for, for people who will repent for sin. Like, we're really good as a church culture in America at bashing the bad people. But where are the people who weep between the porch and the altar? For God to spare them. Where are the people who are asking God, please, Lord, just give them a little more time? Because, y'all, eternity is forever. Understatement of the decade, right? It's forever. And as we're breathing, we can choose. But there's a day coming that we will not have that choice. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The question is, will you do it now? Or will you do it when it's too late? It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. And, and what I've been praying for, even in preparing for this message, I'm not trying to convince you that you need to repent of your sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But I am trying to convince you that God's trying to raise up a church that will weep and intercede and pray for God to give the world a little more time so that they can be right with God before the end comes. And listen, no matter where you are on the prophetic spectrum, the day of the Lord is still coming. And there's a lot about that in Joel. The day of the Lord is still coming. There's going to be a day when everything stops and all of us are instantly in front of God's throne. And in that day, we're going to realize that we either made the right choice or the wrong choice. And I'm asking God to move on his church. And I believe this is a key to revival. That key that he showed Mike. I believe there's a key to each one of your hearts. But I believe the key that unlocks revival in our city is God's people saying, you know what? All that stuff we do, singing and stuff and preaching, it's important. But nothing's more important than face down on the floor with God and begging our Father. Be the God I know you are. You are slow to anger. You are compassionate. You are rich in mercy. God, I will stand here. And I will beg you, God, to relent. Because I know that that's your heart. That's what he's looking for. So church, can we respond? Can we respond? It's not popular to call a church to repentance. It's definitely not popular to call a church to prayer. But I've never been popular. So I'm going to call you to prayer. I'm just going to call, just call you to find a place. And can we end this morning between the porch and the altar? Like, well, I'm not a pastor. I don't have to do that. The, the New Testament says well, all of us are priests now. Jesus did that. And can we just right now, and, and if you're like, I can't intercede for other people. I need, to, I need God to forgive me. 
then can you intentionally move to a place where you can meet with God right now? I had in my notes at the very beginning, it said, breathe and smile. Because I want you to remember that you're not being called to come meet with a God who's angry at you and wants to beat you up. You're being called to come and meet with a God who is compassionate and slow to anger. Whose mercy is new every morning. That's who we're meeting with right now. And in his kindness... He's given us this moment, y'all, in his kindness. And I am calling our church back to the things that I knew in my youth. When I would hear women in church wailing in intercession, overcome with the grief that people could step into eternity without knowing Jesus. I'm asking you, church, to join me there. You don't have to wail You don't have to be loud, but man, to meet God in prayer and beg Him, beg Him. Spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance a disgrace with the nations jeering at them. Why should those among the people say, where is their God? And God, we're asking you right now just to show up. Show up in your people and show up through your people. To to a culture, God, to neighbors and businesses and people that we work with and students that we go to school with, show up in their lives through us. God, let us be the witness, Lord, the fire of the Holy Spirit through us. Let us be a witness to them that there is still time. There's still time. You are not slow. You are patient. And when you relent, we want people to repent. To simply see who you are and respond to who you are. And run to the compassion that you desire to show them because it is your character. really feel strongly that as as the band just leads us in in a moment where we could just kind of be with the Lord listen all church stuff aside don't don't hear this with, with the church filter or any other filter just hear this from the Lord today is the day of salvation even now the promise is even now return to me And I will turn to you. Don't put the promise of God off. You guys in this church, you've been with me for years. You know this is not how I move. This is just not comfortable for me. I don't don't try to throw the gauntlet. Like if you step out of this room today, you might not have another chance. But I'm telling you, it's so in me right now. 
do not hesitate to respond to the goodness of God. You are in a place where you are loved and you are accepted. And there's nothing to be ashamed of in this place. He is the lifter of your head. Mm. I mean, my eyes are not even open because I don't even want to watch. I just know that there's, God's heart is just like, move. Move toward me. Move toward me. Don't sit back. Don't wait. Don't think that if you just make it through this service, that feeling will go away. Move now. Move now. Sound an alarm. Y'all, there is something coming. And we have an opportunity to push that army back and to say, not today. Not today. Because today, I'm standing between the porch and the altar, and I am begging my God to give more time. And if you're in this room and you're breathing, he's giving you more time. Do not put it off. Come find a place at this altar. Respond. Respond. Respond.